welcome to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one, the only, Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Ay, 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 Chris. <laughs> Have I got a story for you? I can't wait to hear that story. Hey, you know what? We actually got a question through our text line, 424-444-1948, and somebody asked this great question. Hopefully, this is the right number for the Jew and Gentile podcast. I love that. But I had a quick question. What exactly is a Jewish sage? Can you elaborate on what that title means? But before you do that, Steve, hang on. Welcome in, welcome in. We've got a funny show for you today. It is funny. It's going to be funny. Not, is it funny, ha-ha, or is it funny... Uh, it's funny. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but okay. Well, fun, you know, there's different kinds of funny. Uh, there's the kind of funny you laugh because it just strikes you a certain way. And then there's funny because it it has something to it and it brings a smile to your face. There's different kinds of the, there, funny. There is, last night, uh, we were sitting around watching. Now that's funny yeah. and sad <laughs> and a ripoff and everything else in between. Well, we were sitting around yesterday watching America's Got Talent as a Family, and I think it was the first time the twins and me and Karen laughed so hard together. They're only 10 that we were crying. Somebody had said something, and my son Preston lost it. And we all lost. All it took was, it was a domino effect. One laugh. So you see, that was funny. Ha ha. That's, I mean, oh man, you're all laughing. Well, listen, uh, area code 234. That's an amazing area code, by the way. 234 says, what Wait, exactly? why is that amazing? Well, 234. I've never at, seen area code. Just because code. it goes 234? That's right. Would you like 123? That would be amazing, How about too. about 567? <laughs> Whatever. 234 area code says, what exactly is a Jewish sage? Well, you were the one to affect it on me. So whatever you see in me, that's not what a Jewish sage is. <laughs> so <laughs> a, it's the opposite. A, it's the opposite of me. A Jewish sage is someone, for, well, I do qualify because I'm old, but wisdom. Uh, so the person has to be Jewish, obviously. And then sage, they're, they're wis- people go to them for wisdom. Mm-hmm. They look to them for insight. Uh, they look to them for an understanding of the times that they're in, oh, which is not me. Well, I, you're a liar, That, but that is I, it, a liar. You're, <laughs> you, I always come to you for wisdom. Wisdom, you you carry wisdom. You have it in you. I just Doesn't lived, the Bible li- say something about gray hair and wisdom or it something does, like that? It does. I, I do have gray <laughs> hair, not much of it, but I have it, and that's about it. Okay, good. Well, that is a, a great definition of the Jewish sage, and that's what I feel when I... When I say it in our intro all the time. You know, we always tell people, don't go by your feelings. Go by the word of God. That's right. (laughs) Then never mind. We're done. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, No, he is the Jewish sage, and I appreciate that. Area code 234. We got to look up to see where 234 is from. Did we have a vote on our free will month? Yes. Here's the thing. So for our listeners who are just tuning in, maybe you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's podcast. Steve and I did a competition to help our friend Tom. It was no competition. It was. Well, you should now you should wait a minute because we didn't make a will. You know, it's make a will month this August. And so we uh, were asked by Tom Gagan, who helps to support the Jew and Gentile podcast in many, many ways. A regular listener. He said, can you promote the uh, FOI.org forward slash your free will where you can make a free will? So if you don't have a will right now, this is will month. And what are you, Arminian? That's a free will. I've got free will, but I believe it's God's sovereignty that you go there right now. And Therefore, get it. you're a Calvinist. That's right. So uh, or a little Talking in between. Talking on the both sides. <laughs> your mom. <laughs> so, uh, 
So uh, you can go to foi.org forward slash your free will and you can get a free will for uh, for the make a will month. All that to say, Steve and I did a competition and we invited our listeners uh, to our text line, 424-444-1948. And only two of the seven contacted okay, us. Okay, so we got two, but you know what's funny is we <laughs> <Two> tied. <laughs> one said me, one said me, and one said you. So uh, one uh, said it was all Steve, he nailed it, and the other one was uh, uh, that, I, that I had done good, and then also said, please mug on a mug, okay? <laughs> So what that, is mug on a mug, Chris? Uh, it's mug Give on us a, an update. We're do, well, we're working on it. We're getting all of our... That's what we say every week. We're working <laughs> we're, on it. We're working on it. We're getting it. It takes time to put our mugs on a mug, okay? Ay, ay, ay. So anyway, uh, be sure to help our brother out here, Tom Gagan, by getting your free will. Also, just a fr- friendly reminder uh, before we continue on with Jewish humor, if you're not laughing already, is uh, that uh, Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by... FOI Equip. And, and this is the week. This is the week. Patriarchs and presidents. That's right. We've got uh, our good friend Paul Scharf, who's going to be teaching a class on how America has blessed Israel. In fact, Steve, I'm not trying to take away from what Paul has taught, but I used your article from Israel My Glory in my book, Israel Always, uh, to talk about the history of American presidents that wanted to see a Jewish state reinstituted uh, for the Jewish people that go back to John Adams and the writings that he had about the Jewish people. And so I am confident that uh, with all the wealth of knowledge that Paul Scharf has, is he's going to talk about the amazing connection that America has had with Israel in his upcoming class, Patriarchs and Presidents. If you've not registered for that yet, you can go to foiequip.org. It's free, people. It's a free class. And all you got to do is sign up, and there you can be a part of what's going on. Um, You can register. You can share it with your friends. Whatever you want to do, please come. That starts uh, next uh, No, yeah, August 10th. Yeah, it starts this week. That's right, 7.30 p.m. Uh, But not only that, Chris, the advantage of equipped courses is that, yes, they're live. They're usually 99% of the time they're on Thursdays uh, at 7.30 Eastern time. But if you register, you could get the class anytime you want. Tell them how to get to our uh, equip webpage. Yeah, all you got to do is look up FOI Equip in YouTube and our entire uh, on-demand classes will be there for you to watch. Everything that we do is posted. So if we we air a class on uh, Thursday night at 7.30, by the next week, you should be able to access it if you're not able to make it. FOIEquip.org. That's right. FOIEquip.org. Exactly. Okay, um, Steve, before we get to Jewish humor too, we've got got some guests with us. We do have some guests with us. That's right. And they're already laughing. And they they didn't even know the title when they came in, and they're laughing already. They are already laughing, and they're having a good time. Uh, Gentlemen, great to see you. Why don't you take work? We We have our marketing department here. That's what's awesome. Uh, so Steve Salada uh, and Aiden Moses uh, from the Aiden marketing Moses. Now we got. <laughs> I'll Aiden, let you take that, Steve. Aiden Moses. He's coming to the Jew and the Gentile podcast. Aiden, I'm not familiar. Is Aiden? Aiden doesn't have much of a Jewish background, but Moisha. So he's perfect. He's a split personality. Aiden, the Gentile. Moisha, the Jewish person. Well, have I ripped you up enough? <laughs> Going. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so you want to start off with Steve, who's got my first name too. So yeah, either let's way. go, Steve and Steve. So Steve, you've been with the Friends of Israel for quite some time. Can you share about when you came and you work in the marketing department, which is a very, very important department? Uh, you know, uh, with the Friends of Israel that gets the the word out about all that we're doing here at Friends of Israel. So Steve Salada, uh, share with us how long you've been here at Friends of Israel. 
Uh, so <clears throat> this month actually will be my ninth year. Nice. Yeah, and I'm the marketing and communication coordinator, so I post our social media. That's a fancy our, title. A very yeah. fancy title. I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I send out our emails, um, do a lot of our graphic design, so I just... All kinds of things. We're busier every single day. Yeah, that Steve sounds pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> but you, the emails that you send out are, are up close emails. So if people want to keep up with what's going on with the global ministry of the Friends of Israel, that's coming from the marketing department. As you're sharing everything from radio to the videos that we do, the classes that we have on FOI Equip, I think a, a lot of our audience, new audience for FOI Equip come because the marketing department takes what we do and shares it on our um, on our podcast, I mean, on your on your up-close email that goes out weekly. Uh, d- but that's all stuff that you all manage in getting that communication out. Yeah, and it's a great privilege because, I, I mean, you know, we're not out on the front lines uh, helping people, giving people food, sharing the gospel, but, um, you know, we get to, to be here and share what we do and let people know about it. Yeah. I would say that's pretty front lines, though. You're he's it, the vehicle to get everything to the people. That's right. And how many people are on that email list? I mean, there's a lot of people, right? Yeah, we have close to fifty thousand on our email list. Fifty thousand people. I mean, come May, on. Maybe that's there's like, hope for us to get more than seven <laughs> listeners. <laughs> there might now be, they'll air it on here because Steve's do here. The odds have increased a little bit. <laughs> that's right. Fifty thousand. I mean, I always whenever I hear that kind of number, I always think, oh, this is like a it's like going to a stadium. You know, like there's like a stadium full of people that are interested in what Friends of Israel is doing. I would call that front line, Steve, what the marketing department is doing to get the word out about everything Friends of Israel is active in. That's fantastic. I can't tell you how stressful it is, though, because you can't bring an email back once you send it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You can't reverse the email. I triple check everything. That is awesome. (laughs) Steve, you also have a growing family. Do you want to talk about your family at all? Yeah, so uh, my wife Kate and I have been married for 10 years, and we have two kids, uh, Josiah, who just turned six, and my daughter Emma, who just turned four. Super cute kids, too. Well-behaved, super cute. And Katie used to work here at Friends of Israel. It's a family affair. Yeah, she worked in ministry services and helped get me in. She let me know that there was a marketing position opening. And ah, you yeah. had an inside ah, source. You got to know somebody. Know somebody. <laughs> it's oh, a yeah. very Jewish thing. It's not what you know, but who you know. <laughs> That's great. Yep. Well, Steve, thanks for being here. Chime in whenever you want. You can cut us off, whatever you want to do. You can even let us know if that joke is funny or not when we enter into the Jew- Jewish humor section, okay? Right. You can be our, our audience. Aiden Moses, you have not been here for nine years. I have not. No. You haven't even been here nine weeks. Nope. <laughs> Six. Six weeks. Six but weeks. Why don't you share everyone what your uh, what your uh, title is here at the Friends of Israel in the marketing department? Yeah, so I'm just the marketing intern. Just? Um, just the is marketing Is that part intern. of your title? Yes, just. Ah, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, was super thankful to get the opportunity because I, I mean, I applied late. I was in like April. Yeah. So at that point, you know, all the college kids are looking to get their internship. So I just threw my name out to any internship that I found possible. And you guys were the only ones that responded. That so I said, is, let's do it. That is awesome. I'm glad that happened. Uh, can you share, because you've done some things that maybe people, if they go on our Facebook page or wherever, uh, you know, if if they're if they frequent the Friends of Israel, m- that you've done some things that maybe they would have noticed. Uh, because I, I, I noticed them and... 
I work with the marketing director. I work. I live with the marketing oh, director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this whole you bet you opened up by saying how great it is. You better hundred <laughs> percent. And so I know the things that you're doing as well. Do you want to share so maybe some of the things you've learned during the internship and some of the changes that might have even come as you've been here? Yeah, um, a lot of it comes with the I would say the more technical side. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the tracking that we do through ads, um, different stuff like that. So it comes a lot with Google and with Facebook. Um, some of it will be all help with social media posting. I've created a, a few pieces here and there, but a lot of it is um, implementing the new stuff that maybe, you know, it wasn't implemented before. So I'm learning how to do that on my own um, and then kind of setting it up for everybody. So hopefully after I leave, um, you guys can keep working on it and it'll help the marketing team even further. That's so, awesome. And yeah. you're you're getting ready to go somewhere pretty special I for am, quite some time. Do you want to share about that? I am 18 days away from a semester in Israel. So I'm that is so exciting. You're doing so the IBEX program, right? I'm doing the IBEX program. With the yep. with masters. Yep. That's right. Because you're university. That's where you're going to school right now. Yep. That's right. You know, Chris, we've had a play in IBEX, Friends of Israel. Yes. Yeah. We've uh the person who started it, Doug Bookman uh, who hopefully will be a guest uh, sometime in the future for Equip. He was the one that started it. And after he left Masters, then uh, Will Varner uh, took it over and ran it for a number of years until he just retired. So Ibex is, in a sense, uh, it's not Friends of Israel, but... It has our fingerprints, our fingerprints are yeah. definitely on it. There's always yeah. some connection. That's There's right. a connection. That's great. Well, I hope they have a great time over there. Again, Aiden, chime, chime in if you want to. Feel free to laugh at Steve's jokes. They're good. They're okay. not my jokes. <laughs> well, you know what? Yesterday, Steve and I were having a conversation about uh, what are we going to talk about next? And I thought, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to jump into a biblical book yet because we just ended Revelation. You're not supposed to talk that way. We're a Christian organization. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm just you being honest. You didn't want to read the Bible? No, that's not true. I want to read the Bible, but I wasn't ready to get into a book study just you yet. You weren't ready to plunge after the book of Revelation. We were so blessed. We got to we gotta kind of let it percolate. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's still out there for people to listen. They want to go back and listen to the entire Revelation series that we did. But last week, you know, we did more of a topical study. A hands-on. A hands-on. We did Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av. Uh, here we go. Tisha B'Av and Tisha What was the other one? Not Ov. I forget it. I don't know. But it was the love, the day of love. Yeah, yeah. So it was the day of mourning and the day of love. And then the weeks before that, we looked at the Jewish um, uh, garb that Jewish people wear when they pray. Dr dress for worship. Dress for worship. Um, and so I wanted to keep that theme going uh, one more week. And so Steve and I, you know, we were batting ideas back and forth. He said, let's do Jewish humor. And Steve, you've little done your did homework. I know, little did I know that going to an outing on my own time turned into... <laughs> Humor. Okay, so can uh, I Jewish humor? Can I set up this story and I'll, sure. let, I'll let you Go do the right I'll ahead. let you do the punchline. Okay? okay. So last night I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see that your daughter Joanna posts a picture of you at a, uh, a Trenton Thunder Trenton Thunder baseball game. Yep. And it's Jewish Day. It's Jewish Day. They were going to open up with Hatikvah. Yeah, a Jewish Day. You all get there, but then of course if you live in the Northeast, we've been having crazy storms, and so they shut it down. And here's the punchline. They line. shut it down. They so shut down Jewish Day. My grandson, my 11-year-old grandson, had we had grabbed hot dogs. Of course, they got my parking. I paid the five bucks for parking. I go and get hot dogs for everybody. Uh, and that's when he picked up a schedule for the future games at the Trenton Thunder. We go and sit down, and they say, ladies and gentlemen, 
The game is canceled. <laughs> Drive home safely. There's storms. We want you to be safe. So we're there. So is a lot of other people. And so they said, if you want to turn in your tickets, you can uh, exchange them for another game. So what game were they talking about? Pork roll day. <laughs> I, you see, you, you, you can't make it up. You, it's a true story. You can't make it up. And it's hilarious. It's Jewish Appreciation Day at Trenton Thunder. Rained out. And the Herzig family is going to pork roll day. <laughs> But this is what we were talking about when we were prepping for this show, the little prep that we did, is that Jewish humor is different than normal comedy. It's, it's not telling jokes. It's talking about topics, uh, most of which happen. Yeah, uh, real life. This, real, this moment is funny. Real life, real circumstances. You go to the one day. I didn't even know they did Jewish they Appreciation do. Day. The first time we went to Jewish Appreciation Day uh, in Trenton, uh, they, a guy had a stand. He was selling his book. I'm again, I'm not making this up Jewish athletes. So when I go up Jewish athletes, what is it? A booklet? Is it a, is it a newsletter? <laughs> Actually? No. You know what he did as he, as you open, I bought the book, of course, as you open the book, he says in order to get enough, cause it was on baseball and he had to find every position. And in order to do that, he had to extend the rules and make some people Jewish who might not necessarily be regarded as it? Jewish. Oh, all different ones. For instance, he said uh, you you were Jewish if you married to a Jewish person. Oh, give me a No, bit. he had it. This is for Jewish athletes. And you got to find the first baseman, the second baseman, the shortstop. Uh uh, there is a, a famous... They, uh, he loved it when he got to Sandy Koufax. Oh, and, uh, of course the easy Sandy ones. made yeah. it. Of course Sandy, but you got to find other people. Yeah. And anyway... so The yes, whole book is the, about Sandy Koufax <laughs> and then everybody else. <laughs> you could buy a book about Sandy Koufax, as a matter of fact. But either way, yeah, there's things that are just funny. For instance, Jewish athletes. Yeah. That, that's funny because <laughs> there aren't think that it many. was funny or was he being oh, serious? Of course, no. Uh, in fact... As he writes about a subject that I'm interested in, uh, he makes fun of it as well. It's hilarious. Uh, why not have a laugh? And we're going to find, Chris, there are jokes. Jewish people make jokes about some of the most heart-wrenching things you can imagine, uh, including the Holocaust. Yeah. I have a whole encyclopedia. It's called the Encyclopedia of Jewish Humor. Uh, From booked, biblical times to the modern age. Exactly. And he puts them, he classifies them education, anti-Semitism, <laughs> ar the, the army, that's what I need, preachers and cantors, science. He's got it all. Here, I think when I come in your office, I, I see you studying. I expect you to have this commentary open, but you've got Jewish, Jewish encyclopedia. Uh, of Jewish course. Humor. Of course. <laughs> Well, let's talk more about Jewish humor then, and I'm because I'm, it actually does define not just your the Jewish culture. Uh, it, it has impacted everybody. You know, there shows that that are written that we all love that we've tuned into over the years are written by a lot of them are written by Jewish comedians, Jewish writers. I know one of your favorite shows is Everybody Loves Raymond, which is about a Catholic family, but it's written by a Jewish guy, and almost all the. People who are acting, at least half of them are Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, one of them is the tallest Jewish guy that I think I know, uh, the guy who played uh, uh, Robbie. Uh, he's six feet, eight inches tall. He's Jewish. I told you last week, wasn't it last week, Chris? Uh, 
when when uh, you go to Israel, uh, Mr. Moses here. <laughs> When Moses goes to Israel, You're, he's, he's going made to the promised he's land. He's going to the promised <laughs> he's land. Made it. Good job. We we went out. My first tour, the tour guides, we were going through some tunnel. I know we talked about this. Uh, and the guy said, uh, just make sure you duck your head. We don't want you bumping your head. It, it's, uh, it's, it's cement. It's rocks there. So duck your head. I walk right through. No problem. I said, this was built for me, for my people. <laughs> Everybody else is ducking their head. And I just scoot right through. Why? <laughs> because we're not tall. Yeah. <laughs> we're not a tall people. But uh, the guy who played uh, Robbie, uh, he's very tall. Oh, yeah. That would have been a problem for very him. Very tall. But the person that did Everyone Loves Raymond is Jewish. Yeah. All uh, these, Phil Rosenthal. All these shows uh, have, you know, uh, very successful ones have a very Jewish component to it. Even, you know, when, when I've been studying on Yiddish, it's funny because even Sesame Street in the past would highlight a Yiddish you know, a Yiddish kite individual who ran a deli and uh, everyone would climb in and he was a little grumpy, but funny. And, uh, and, you know, but everyone loved him. Like, and it's, but it's a part of the culture in, in a lot of, it, a lot of ways, Jewish humor has impacted American society in the way that, that comedy spreads through television, radio, all of that stuff. But it's important because uh, it, it's a part of who you are, you know, and it's a part of who, the Jewish culture. And you actually wrote about this in Israel, my glory. This is where it all comes from, is the fact that Jewish humor is very much a part of the culture of the Jewish people. We'll talk about it a little down the line as it relates to the Bible. But there's so many Jewish comedians, uh, the old ones, the article that you have. And by the way, Chris, just for a shameful plug, which we like to do, Israel, my glory magazine they can people can subscribe and get the digital mm -hmm. version. Yep. So if they want that article, all they have to do they can subscribe to Israel My Glory. How do they How do they subscribe? Well, they can go right to the website, which we have the link for your article. If they click on the link in the show notes, the, the right there on the website in Israel My Glory will be a subscribe button for them. That's amazing. And so, to me, the wealth of Israel My Glory, even my own article. I, I don't know what I wrote in two. I don't know what I wrote yesterday. How am I going to know what you, I wrote? You, well, you wrote that article in two thousand, and you came in surprised about. It. You said, "I love this. This is fantastic." <laughs> Who did this? <laughs> Who did this? This is pretty good. This is pretty good. But uh, you know, when you you think of Israel, my glory, you could sign up, and then I do it on my phone. You could type in Jewish humor, click it, and all kinds of stuff come up. It's yep. it's amazing. Well, you know, just thinking, many of our list, all seven of them, probably heard of Jerry Seinfeld. I had no idea that Jerry Seinfeld was on a Benson show. Now, I vaguely remember. Do you remember the show Benson? I, I don't. I, I know it was on. I can't remember. I think it was about a butler or something, but I'm not sure. Anyway, he was on the Benson, and he had a joke that he says in the New York Times article that we're going to link for people to see if mm -hmm. they want to read it. A great article. But in the article, he said, that one flopped. And here was the one that flopped. He said, did you hear about the rabbi who bought himself a ranch? They called it Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's a great joke. But I guess he, it didn't go over yeah, it to flopped. A, a bunch of goyim listened to it. That's why. That's it. We had no idea. <laughs> the what Jewish people, all two of us left. <laughs> Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, again, another Jewish comedian who took uh, circumstantial, you know, moments in life about nothing. About nothing. And turned it into one of the greatest comedic television shows that still people watch today. 
Uh, but Steve, you've got some good Jewish humor coming from this I'm encyclopedia. I'm just going to take it out of this encyclopedia. I'm just reading these things, and I probably won't read them well enough. But and I, there's a million of them, and i got to pick out just a couple, and not everybody will agree with me. But this is under rabbis, preachers, and cantors. <laughs> the, the rabbi said to the president of the congregation, I was sorry to hear that you're planning to resign for another pulpit. You need have no fear, said the rabbi. I'm going to recommend a successor who'll probably be better than I am. That's precisely what worries me, replied the president. Your predecessor told us the same thing. (laughs) I think that's great. A rabbi was invited to speak at the patients of St. Elizabeth Hospital in Washington, D.C. for the mentally disturbed. He came prepared for any reaction that might ensue. So he was scarcely surprised when the chief psychiatrist warned him to disregard any comments the inmates inmates might offer during his address. After the rabbi had talked for about a half an hour, a member of the audience stood up and said, this is the lousiest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) The rabbi carefully ignored the interruption. When he was through, the psychiatrist ran up to him and warmly shook his hand. Rabbi, the doctor said, you have no idea how much you've helped this poor man. Why? What was the first? Why that was the first <laughs> rational statement is made in years. So that's a good one. That is a good one. Well, didn't you have one about the 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 Jewish guy sitting between two Nazis? Oh yeah, that's an anti 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 Semitic section. Okay, I got to go there. Let's see, page two hundred. Uh, and while you're doing that too, yeah, b- before you, before you start reading it, let's talk about this because some people might go. Steve, how can you take something so dark and laugh at it? How, why, how could you do that? You know, it's not that's what Jewish people have done historically when they are going through the most horrible times. And by the way, we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. Going through, you can't change certain things, but how you adjust to those things can make it easier no matter how bad they are, including in the Holocaust, including when you have a sickness. You know, I've made many hospital visits and been with people who are close to death. And if you you can actually find humor within the confines of that particular situation. Uh, and laugh, laughter's great medicine, even in those circumstances. The joke you, or the story, these aren't jokes, these are stories. Two Germans notice Ludwig Blau, a middle-aged man with Semitic features, board the train at Dresden. This is a World War II, German, uh, Hitler's in power. This is a story during that time. Grinning at his opportunity to annoy a Jew, they sat down beside him, one to his left, the other to his right. Tell us, said one, are you an ignorant donkey or a clever crook? Uh, the Jew thought for a moment and answered calmly, to tell you the truth, I find my somewhere between the two. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. It's, it's just a nice <laughs> way of dealing with your circumstances. And you actually start your article off with a life circumstance as a Jewish individual. And it's, it almost feels like a biblical account as well. You start your article in Israel, My Glory, which is called Jewish Humor, and you can read about it. It comes from the February, March 2000 issue. And you started off talking about uh, a a woman who goes to, you know, a pregnant pregnant woman who goes to the doctor and the doctor says, go get an ultrasound really quick. And so the the lady and her husband go in to get the ultrasound. 
and they start to move the ultrasound around and they find two hearts and they say, there's two babies in here. And the, the wife starts to cry and the husband, husband starts, starts to, to laugh. laugh. And that was you. It was me. That's right. That's right. My wife, turned that into my, wife is, my wife is crying her head off. Why is she crying? She's thinking of our five-year-old, then four-year-old, and two-year-old at the time. <laughs> and she's thinking, this is what she told. I said, why are, you, why are you crying? This is amazing. I was laughing my head off, but she's crying. And she said, oh, how am I going to spend time with them? I got these two kids who are coming. I'm laughing because I'm saying I can't afford them. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I had a, by the way, I couldn't afford them. I had to use a charge card to get them out of the hospital. I didn't even have the money to get them out of the hospital. But uh, I was laughing and parallel paralleling that to Sarah's laughter. Mm-hmm. Sarah is a woman who's barren. Uh, her, she's 89 years old. Literally, she's thinking nothing. This this can't happen. It, it's not gonna happen. I'm an old lady, but as we know biblically, is anything too hard for the Lord? Mm-mm. No, it, it's not. So I related to Sarah definitely. You you laughed and she I laughed, laughed and then, my head off. And I then, had a at that time there they weren't even Nissan, Nissan cars. They were Datsuns. I had a four passenger little station wagon, and now I was going to have four children. If I wanted to take anybody anywhere, I'd have to go in shifts. I'd have to drive them, wait, (laughs) come back, pick people up, and go back. That's no kind of life. Well, I don't have a similar story to you, but a similar kind of situation where uh, we we went in, we thought we were having one child, and then it was supposed to be our second born, and so we go in and we do the ultrasound, and the nurse, the, the, the ultrasound tech goes, oh, my goodness, and, you know, we had had some issues in the past. So, of course, we start stressing out. And she goes, I'll be right back. And she calls, you know. Oh, this is good. How were you when she left the room? Well, I, I we are all very nervous, you know. But, and then she come, they come back and they go, I th- there's two babies in here. Two, you know, two babies. I start laughing um, at like, you know, like you. And Karen says, don't laugh. I said, Karen, we're not leaving the house for 10 years. We're just going <laughs> to be stuck inside for 10. Because that's when we, we also found out we were having uh, twin boys. And that's when I definitely realized we wouldn't leave for, and now they're 10, you know, and I still don't want to go outside. So oh, wait a minute. It's going to cost me money. The four horses of the apocalypse. That's right. How much does that cost me? You're up to about eight bucks right now. Uh, it's $2 yeah, yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's $2 a kid. But I wanted to, there. You also mentioned there's comedy throughout the Bible that like there are comedic moments that are almost baked into the scriptures as well. You write this one cannot help but laugh when picturing the account of the prophet Elijah meeting with the false prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18.27. Elijah shouts to them, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or perhaps he sleepeth and must be awakened. Today, we could rephrase that something like this. Why isn't your God doing anything? Oh, I get it. He's on the phone. Or maybe he's on vacation. You know, think oh. about that. You, think about I you read that passage in the Bible. There's four hundred of these guys. There's one prophet. One prophet. And so the contest is between the two sets of gods. They believe in these gods. They believe they're real. We know they're false. We believe in one God. They have multiple gods. So the, there's a contest. They agree. You call on your gods, I'll call on mine. And he gets to wait, and he watches them. Chris, if it were me, I'd be, Lord, 
I believe in you. I know you're real. Yeah. But my life is on the line. But that's yeah, not what he with does. Reverence or a sense of reverence. That's not what he does. He looks at them and he says, hey, guys, maybe your God's on vacation. Yeah. He's taking a siesta. <laughs> and then he says, you read the text, beat yourselves. They start pummeling themselves, believing that these false, they're bleeding, Chris. Yeah. They're bleeding. And he, he, he keeps teasing them and laughing at them. They're, that's a joke by itself. But the biggest joke of all is who wins? Of course, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Elijah flees after they kill them. It's it's the Israelites against them. He kills them, and he's running for his life, and he comes before God and says, God, I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. I'm the only one who is not bowed the knee yeah. to bow. <laughs> well, first of all, who is he running from? This is the joke. This is the comedy. One woman. Yeah. Who would you rather face? 400 false prophets of Baal <laughs> or one woman? The answer, the 400 prophets of Baal. I'm leaving. I'm running away from this Jezebel. Well, that Isn't it, is, Guys, is that hilarious? I mean, that, yeah, they're, laugh, they're smiling. Yeah, that, <laughs> well, but you also mentioned in your article, which I think is funny, is that there are some husband-wife jokes in the uh, Bible, too. Well, why mean, don't you read them, Chris? Okay. I'd rather you get in trouble from Karen. I already got it. I wrote the thing, so Alice already got me. Yeah, this, I already got uh, yeah 22 year, 23 years That's ago, right. too. Well, I'm not we're gonna, taking the same punishment. <laughs> we're going to bring it back up again, okay, so Alice can shake her head. Uh, you write this, consider these from the book of Proverbs. As a jewel of gold in the swine's snout, so is a fair woman who is without discretion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that was Proverbs eleven twenty two. Uh, did I write that? No, no. I, you I, just copied and pasted I, I it. Copied and pasted the Bible. That's right. God has a sense of humor. It's Jewish sense of humor. Here we go. Here's what another. Oh, he's got more. He's got. God's got plenty here. It is. Uh, it is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. <laughs> Chris, uh, tell him one more and then go to numbers because I don't want to have any, you know, of our seven listeners, I don't know how many are wives. So I we might actually, lose our some of I'll our, be honest with you. I think uh, from our demographics, more women listen than men. So we're. <laughs> well, that's. We're do, I don't. Th marketers, I ask you the question should you be slapping your most loyal customers? <laughs> no, They're shaking their they head. No. no. <laughs> no. We're going to find. Aiden we're going to find out how loyal they That's are. right. These two are ready to get out of here as fast They're as possible. Saying, I can't believe these guys. I know, exactly. Do some uh, damage but, control. <laughs> we got to get to work. Uh, all right, here's another one. Uh, a slothful man hideth his hand in his dish and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. I don't even really understand what that means. Here's another. The slothful man saith, there is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. So some good stuff from uh, from Proverbs, um, but here's the one from Numbers that you say. You say, equally as comical is the narrative in Numbers 22, 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee? And thou hast smitten me these three times. Even funnier is the next verse, Balaam answers her. <laughs> Think about that. The donkey talks. Uh, and is, he's talking to the dog. That is Don't funny. Don't you think that's hilarious? No, that is good. That's, that's good. That's hilarious. But 
most of the time we tend look we approach the bible as we should it's a li- it's the living word it's sharper than any double edged sword it is the very word in the beginning was the word the word incarnated in the person and work of jesus so we it's a solemn thing if jesus were here would he have some funny stories to tell? Oh, yeah. I think he has amazing stories to well, tell. One of my favorite ones, you know, and, and it never comes across as comedy in the new in the in the gospels, but I always laugh whenever I read it, is whenever the disciples are in the boat and Jesus is teaching about the leaven of the Pharisees, and then all the disciples are stressed out because they were worried about leaven, you know, in the bread and or, you know, and things of that nature. And so they're thinking of one thing, and Jesus is, you know, trying. He goes, "Guys, I'm trying to teach about the Pharisees, not the food. What are you talking about? You know." But they still didn't get it. And I could see the comedic moment for Jesus as he's trying to teach them on the boat. But you, you write this, Steve. You say a Jewish joke is one that no goy, a Gentile, can understand, and every Jew says he has already heard. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. L- look, Chris, in Matthew, for instance, I, I've preached on Matthew uh, when the transfiguration takes place. Now, Peter is not a comedian, but he tells funny stories. So there he is. Peter, po- Peter James, and uh, John are at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus metamorphosizes in front of them. He unzips his uh, deity. The glory of God is displayed. They are beside themselves. They, uh, Peter says, I'm going to build you um, a tabernacle for each one. There's Moses and Elijah there. And Peter, <laughs> the Bible says, Peter, con- he talks, he continues. And then he says, and I think it's a riot. No one... These guys aren't going to laugh. You're not going to laugh, but it's hilarious. It's good to be here. <laughs> Is it, it's good to be here. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> he it, just wanted to talk. It's what would you say? What would you say if you just saw the infulgence of the glory of God? Yeah, uh, it's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than it's it's better than being home. Uh, uh, you know, not bad. I always think there's some chutzpah in Jewish comedy as well. You know, there I, I, it is a bit comedic to me when Moses is ushered into the burning bush in the presence of God. Much well, like he's pe- not in the burning. Bush. No, no, but he's ushered before the that, presence of that's God. That's a little I better. Say. He, he was never ushered. He was never in, in the burning bush. But he was a, his, he was on holy ground. <laughs> That's for sure. God let him know it was holy ground. He took his sandals off. That's right. Just as Peter was before, you know, the 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 unveiling of Jesus and 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 who he really is at transfiguration. There's Moses uh, before the burning bush, and he argue, he's arguing with God, which is I think kind of comedic as well. There's the, uh, he, he's you talk arguing. about chutzpah. There's, he gets him from fifty to ten. That, that's what I'm saying. He's telling. He's actually arguing with God, the Creator of heaven and earth. It, I've got a job for you to do. Uh, you got the wrong guy. Okay, you want to go with this guy? I'm not the greatest at you know. But it's a, that to me is part comedy as well. That there is this argument between Moses and God. I actually got it mixed up with Abraham because that's why I said fifty to ten. Do you remember the chutzpah Abraham? Hey, if there's fifty righteous, will you spare it? Okay, yeah, forty five. <laughs> sure. 40. Yeah, I'll do I'll do 40. 30? Yeah, I'll do 30. 20? I have biblical justification to barter. That's good. well. Did, did he barter with God? He got God from 50 
to ten. So d- tell the joke if if you can remember it. The one about that you were saying about the the sandwich, the br- the briskets or the brisket uh, sandwich. Uh, oh, uh, oh yeah, I gotta. I, I uh, yeah, you have I, to find it. I gotta find it. All right. Uh, I don't know where it is. That one but was good. Oh yeah. Oh, because the guy told the joke about money. What do Jewish people? Uh, say about money all the time. Hold on, hold on. This has to do with the sandwich. and That's it- right. Well, he, this young Jewish comedian, I was looking up, I have so many, I've learned so much just reading about young Jewish comedians. And he goes to his audience and talks about uh, three things Jewish people talk about. One was sex, one was uh, money, and I, f- I forgot what the third one was. But he said, what's, and he said, it just depends on the order in which you do it. So the audience said the number one thing, of course, was money. So he talks about a little of that, and then he says, okay, let's see. I, oh, food. Food was the third one. Yep. He said food should be number one. It, would you rather have a, uh, a brisket sandwich or the money that the, uh, the brisket cost? And so they say, we'd rather have the money. That's exactly right. The money. Why? Because I could buy the brisket sandwich cheaper than anywhere else and keep the profits. That's why. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, but Steve, here's my last thing I, I want to I wanna ask you, because in your article, you end with, uh, with this. And I, I'm interested to see if you still feel the same way 20 years later, okay? You said, as funny as these stories and jokes might be, They are only funny or even acceptable for that matter when told by a person of the same background. Please, if you are not Jewish, which I'm not, don't tell your Jewish friends a demeaning Jewish joke. It may may be funny coming from a Jewish person, but it can be extremely offensive coming from a non-Jewish person. I think telling jokes and telling funny stories should be, there should be no limitation. But I cannot tell you how many good-intentioned, well-intentioned people, uh, especially as I speak around when I get off the platform, many people just feel compelled to tell me their Jewish jokes. And look, if you tell a Jewish joke uh, and you think it's funny, zygazun, live and be well. But when you tell it to a Jewish person and it has a demeaning Often Meaning. and often it has to do with money. Of course it does. That's the number that's one. The stereo, I've heard them. That's the stereo. Yeah, all the time. We want to be a good witness to people, mm-hmm. and the the best way is to not offend them. So there might be things that are perfectly acceptable, but they're not going to help you in terms of your relationship with that person, especially if you don't know them well. So a person comes up to you or to me, to you because you're with the friends of Israel. Oh, you might like a Jewish joke. So they're going to share it with you uh, or with me. It doesn't matter whether you're Gentile, I'm Jewish, they're going to do it. Well, we immediately think of our Jewish friends uh, who have their own views of Christians. And we've talked about that during our podcast many times. We have a stereotype and sometimes the telling of that joke just strengthens the stereotype mm-hmm. uh, that we don't want to keep to continue. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a problem. Uh, but I understand. And so, for instance, when I hear some off-color things like that, I just say, 
Thank you very much. Well, before we end, gentlemen, I'm not putting you on the sp- I don't want to put you on a spot. So if you don't have one, don't worry about it. Steve and I, you know, you can just chime in. But if you have a joke you'd like to share, now's your opportunity. It's Jewish joke time. So I don't know if you've got like a standard one in the arsenal that or you throw out. Or a story. Out. It might have a funny story. That's true. Anything you want to do, uh, I'll come back to you. So think about it for one moment. Um, but uh, Steve, I want to end with this. You say Jewish people have made it so easy for us to laugh at ourselves. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We laugh at ourselves all the time. Look, I'm doing the Jew and the Gentile podcast. <laughs> Can't get any more funny than that. And it is one big joke, right? It, the podcast. It, it is one big joke. I'll tell you this. Haven't you heard, which by the way, makes me feel good. People have come up. Uh, one of the seven have come up to me and a couple of different times and said, you guys are great. You put a smile on my face. Yep. What's wrong with that? Uh, I, I think that's great. We we want people to learn. I've had people say, you put a smile on my face, and I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. That's good. Or, anything, guys? Anything? Bupkis. They <laughs> exemplify Bupkis. All right. All right. Just wanted to make sure. I didn't want, I didn't want you to <laughs> Wait, feel like. I, I want to ask Aiden and Steve. Here's the question. I'll go to you, Aiden. Since you have, it's it's much more compressed for you. What is the one thing you have learned about Friends of Israel that stands out to you? And Steve, I'm gonna, even though you've been here 10 years, uh, I'll ask you the same question. I think it probably just comes to the scope of what the ministry does. That kind of impressed me because it was like, okay, Friends of Israel, like, what, what do they do? Um, and the more I've kind of looked into it, into like, all right, what are we marketing? It was just kind of impressive, like how global it is and how... I mean, like anything from the conferences these guys put on to actually like physically supporting people. I just thought that was really impressive. Um, and how it's like you guys have a team in Poland and Ukraine. It's like it's not we're only focusing on the nation of Israel, but rather the people group, the Jewish people group. I just thought that was really cool. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Steve? Oh, what's always impressed me uh, nine years, I've I've never seen anything less than this is just from the CEO all the way down to the janitor to all of the people that donate and follow our ministry is the love for God and his people Mm. and his word. Boy, Steve brings, we went from Jewish humor to, uh, we have to fall. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. (laughs) He brings us down. We have to fall down before his face. I did think of a joke though. Okay, good. (laughs) He's coming back. There we go. It's not a Jewish joke. And like you said, I'm on the spot, but it's my four-year-old's favorite joke. All right, I like Let's it. Let's hear it. Knock, knock. Who's there? Cows go. Cows go who? No silly, cows go moo. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Good one, that, good that one. That one's for you, Emma. There, there you go. You go. Good. Now, Emma, Emma. good for Emma. Well, uh, guys, please stick around if you want to. We're just going to go to the news really quick because we've got some interesting news they items. They can get the article, right? Chris? Oh, yes. Everything's get- linked into our show notes for the New York Times piece that Steve was talking about. His article that he wrote on Jewish humor 23 years ago. It's still funny after 23 years. Um, but uh, as we turn here, we're going to turn now to the news happening in Israel and uh, in the Jewish community as well. Steve, go ahead and take it away. Okay, this headline comes from the Jerusalem Post. Rabbi Thal calls on followers to wage war on Israel's LGBT community. Now, this is that a will tough get one. your attention. Th- this is a that's tough a Jerusalem one. Post this article. Is, yeah, that's right. And this this is a tough one. Uh, first of all, Chris, we're not endorsing anything here. 
This is a news article that we're talking about. And the rabbi has a concern. Remember, he's Hasidic rabbi. There's a picture of him when our people see the notes posted, uh, linked to the article. They're going to see he's a Hasidic rabbi, and he's concerned about where the nation of Israel is going as it relates to this unbiblical, which it which it is. Uh, and so the, you have the stress between the culture and and acceptance and love of people, people are in, in our country and we accept them, versus what the standard is from the Scripture. And, and I'll add, too, that uh, this is the concern that a lot of the Israelis have right now that we see the riots going on, is they're saying, what are we going to turn into here, a big theocracy? Because there are more ultra-Orthodox, there's a lot of ultra-Orthodox that have— There's not more yet, but they're producing 10 and 11 children at a time compared to two or three children— from the more those secular. that are more secular. That's right. Uh, so here's the, here's the deal. He wrote a book, a 90-page book called On Dealing with Postmodernism, Breaking Free from Its Shackles. And Chris, here's the point that he makes uh, that I think is worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Without a family, he's talking about the nuclear family, the father, the mother. Uh, without a family, there's no historical continuity and connection with the previous generations. There is no common national identity. There's no heritage. There's no tradition. And the person then becomes completely disconnected. Look, you, we could say all we want about either side. His concern is with the family and uh, keeping Israel as a nation and their religion uh, and their place uh, with God. Well, on the other hand, the idea of calling for war can be taken, if you take that word literally, for violence. And Mm -hmm. that's why there's a suit against him, and they're taking it to court, legitimately so, and let let them rule. But I thought it was interesting, and this is what the Israelis are are dealing with at this time. Yeah, it's a— Big issue, you know, I don't know, most people don't think about this, but Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are two, they're only 45 minutes apart from one another. There's one highway and, and that connects them. And they're eons apart religiously. That's 100%. One is very secular, Tel Aviv. That's uh, the party city. The big party the city. The work city is what? Haifa. That's right. And the religious city is? Jerusalem. Chris, you get a hundred. No, thank you very much. And we're helping Aiden here before he goes to Israel. He's now got three. Now he knows where to go get a job no, no, when he gets he knows, there. He knows party here, <laughs> That's work right. up here, worship over here. That's good. That's good. All right, that, Steve, that's an interesting article that's linked in our show notes as well. Uh, Steve, uh, this was the one you sent as well from the Jerusalem Post uh, that comes from August 8th, 2023. Uh, Defense Minister Yoav Gallant says Israel will attack Every meter of Lebanon in self-defense. It would. He he says this quote: uh, um, uh, Israel won't hesitate to attack Hezbollah and quote return Lebanon to the Stone Age should Israel be attacked. This is tough for Israel and this is tough for Lebanon. Hey, it's tough for Aiden. He's go. He's going to Israel. Don't tell me that. Oh yeah, yeah, it's tough for Aiden. (laughs) Do you know there are sixty estimated sixty thousand rockets. That I'm not talking about Hamas and Gaza. They're You're scaring 60, them. You're scaring the boy. No, no. This I'm trying. You're going I'm there. Encouraging. I'm You're going, going there, in there October. Yeah, you're going. Yeah. All he's the, the, all Galant is saying. They we know there's sixty thousand rockets in Lebanon. 
Now, they can't shoot them all at the same time. All he's saying is, if you attempt to try to hurt us, we're, we have the capability of wiping out the whole country. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not what he wants to do, but it's a real—if you're living in Israel— Aiden will be living there. I'm going there. It's comforting to know that the security of Israel is in the hands of people who... It's not wishy-washy, which is, is what we see in our country today, where exactly. something major happens and we go, well, we, you know, here's the red line, and then oh, we'll go over the red ah, line. We could talk to him. That's right. Exactly. We'll, we'll send over John Kerry and see what he does. Uh, maybe he can convince him to change green or something like that. Anyway, the point, though, is that, I, that that's important to, to, to talk about here is that Lebanon is it's not... Lebanon is a difficult in a difficult situation. Very be, difficult. Because there are... The way he talks about Lebanon is as if it's just one country and they're all acting the same way. Lebanon has a problem, and the cancer in Lebanon is Hezbollah, which is a proxy of Iran. There are a lot of Lebanese people who want nothing to do with Hezbollah. They want nothing to do with any of that, but they get lumped in because Hezbollah's presence is so powerful in Lebanon that it actually does tie into government of, you know, it's like the mafia. It is a, a bigger version of the mafia with even more money tied to Iran. So, Chris, about 20 years ago or 30 years ago, there was a fence in Lebanon called the Good Fence. It was called the Good Fence. And every day, Lebanese citizens would come through that fence and work in Israel. Every day. And they, they that fence had a door. It was Guarded, but there wasn't anything to at that time to really guard. There was a there was an unspoken relationship. They came into Israel, worked, and went back. But then there in the eighties, there was a a the Hezbollah came in and raided all those folks who lived there and took their homes. And South Lebanon, in fact, there was a war that Israel went up into South Lebanon, held it for a while, and while they held it, there was security. Well, when they left because the world was saying Israel's going after territory and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, when they left, Hezbollah came in, and now they have, where are those 60,000 rockets? They're all in South Lebanon. Yeah, that's right. The, the, uh, Beirut used to be the pearl of the Mediterranean. It was a beautiful place. The Lebanese people are wonderful people. But as you said, Lebanon isn't what it appears to be. There's the Lebanese People, the majority of them are great, and they would get along with Israel. It's already a historical fact. Hezbollah has changed that. And, of course, Hezbollah is not just Hezbollah. It's Iran Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of uh, our my wife, Karen, one of our favorite restaurants is a place in Collingswood called Le Beirut. And the guy who owns it uh, is right from Lebanon, and he's only been here a couple of years, so he still has that Middle Eastern hospitality. Ah, do you get good hummus? Oh, fantastic! The wife invites me back to watch her chop up some stuff, and and he always comes out and he welcomes us. And I let him know I go to the Middle East a lot. I, I said I go tahini. to tahini. Does he have good tahini? Everything's homemade. She does it all, and uh, but he sits down. It's hilarious. He's got a place is packed and he is hospitality he sits down and talks to everybody and you know who gets mad his daughter who has to host you know <laughs> is working you know she's like dad get up you got to do something we're busy here ah just wait a minute i'm talking to these wait people. who owns the business the daughter or the son <laughs> the, or the father the father does but he's relaxing talking schmoozing and, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway uh i told him i go to israel a lot and he goes oh i've always wanted to go 
So, you know, the, no, but you can tell, like, again, Hezbollah is like uh, the mafia, and it's kind of uh, like cancer. It's rooted itself into every aspect of it the has. Lebanese it has. way of life. There are other, and, and we're moving from one proxy of Iran to another proxy of Iran. Oh, Chris, this was on, tell them, first of all, you're on the radio. You are the radio voice of Friends of Israel. And, uh, in fact, I was on my way to Ohio, and so I decided to listen. I caught the third of your series uh, on David. It was excellent. Thank you. And, of course, I caught your ad for Free Will of uh, Dur- free will Month. That's right. We're doing Boy, Free Chris, Will you all do a place. much different job than we did when you advertise on the radio than you do here on the podcast. I don't have time to schmooze on the radio. We got to be in, we got to be out. I guess so. Here, we got to kill time, uh, so we make a competition <laughs> of it. <laughs> it was so smooth. Steve Conover's voice is so it amazing. Is. I know. I, ours, ay, 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 I ay. always think to myself, they should just let Steve read what I, you know, all of it, and people will love it. So Steve, Steve has two girls, and I can imagine, can you imagine him reading you a good night oh, story? Fall, a break? I, they probably fell asleep yeah. in like 30 seconds. <laughs> it's, like, it's like late night jazz yeah, when you're listening right, to him. That's right. But, but uh, this... I was really glad we picked this out for our news because you talked about that on the radio show, which was on Saturday, or mm-hmm. at least I heard it on Saturday. So why don't you read it? Yeah, protests against Hamas reemerge in the streets of Gaza, but they w- but will they persist? This is the Times of Israel article talking about the fact that protests are there's it, a lot of protests. protests. In, Ga- in, in Gaza. All the time there's protests. So what's the news here? The news is that they're not protesting Israel. They're protesting Hamas, who rules now in Gaza. that's Jewish humor. That- <laughs> <laughs> there's protests in Gaza. Well, there's always protests. Yeah. Ah, but this time, they're protesting their own people. That's right. Go figure. And so they're protesting Hamas rule because life is hard in Gaza. It's very it, hard. It's very hard. Gas is very expensive. Electric shortages happen all the time. Nobody gets paid enough to live. Rent is high. So they're frustrated with Hamas, who's ruling them. And so who? Do, where do they complain? It, they, it's very hard for the leaders of Hamas to hear the people complaining in Gaza because those people are living in Turkey and Qatar and, and the nice areas of Lebanon. They've got money. They're not even in Gaza. So they're complaining because the people who should be paving the streets and making life you know better and providing jobs and all of that fighting for them are too busy fighting Israel and not fighting for the people uh, the you know it's a great reminder you know when there's ever a war in Gaza do you know that on the, the that Hamas you know what they target they target the electric companies the grid yeah and you know where they get their electricity from the grid yeah they are, they are targeting their own electricity. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. No, nope, you can't. But uh, it's interesting. I hope that you read those um, because uh, those protests hopefully will move. Uh, hopefully, will move the needle so that maybe we could see some different leadership in in Gaza. But I'm not holding my breath. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but the people are getting frustrated. Wait, wait, with their wait! Leaders. Before you do the Yiddish word of the day, I want to hear if you guys wouldn't mind sharing what's the latest in marketing. What What are you guys working on right now that our seven listeners might be interested in? Well, you've said it a few times already. It's Make a Will Month. We put a lot of preparation into that, and thankfully August finally came. We could roll it all out. Um, we're also excited about our Proclaim National Conferences. Um, oh, that was funny, though. On the last podcast, 
See, you said the Proclaim conference was living on the edge when it's the world on edge. <laughs> We're all on the edge, right? <laughs> Which is, <laughs> I was I was driving home going, it's not living on the edge. It's the world on edge. Because there's Steve going, we're living on the edge. And I, like a song, like an 80s song or something like that. It was that Bon Jovi? I think it was Bon Jovi. Yeah. No, that's living on a prayer. That's living yeah. on a prayer, yeah. yeah. Steve's, Steve's somewhere between uh, Friends of Israel and Bon Jovi. Uh, he's living on the edge. <laughs> Well, aren't we living on the edge? Isn't we're, the world on edge? We're living on the edge. Yes. All right. All right. Anyway. Well, anyway, now proclaim. proclaim. Tell us about proclaim. <clears throat> well, we just wrapped up the one we had in Winona Lake, Indiana. Two more to go. We've, we're going to Tampa and we're going to Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Two very different places, but we'll be there. And uh, those are in September and October. Um, and yeah, we're just excited. It's a two day conference. Uh, used to be five. We've scaled it down, but it's just as much great biblical teaching. Um, but in half the time, and uh, we're excited to see people out there. Great, yeah, that's awesome. great, Aiden. What are you? What are you working out? Um, You're leaving in what? Two weeks? Two weeks? A little over two weeks. Yep. You know, you've had it pretty easy as an intern. What do you come once a week? Yeah. What? Yep. What once a, a week gig? What a gig! Yeah. I, first of all, you're late. Number one, you're late to the game. You're saying I'll take anybody. Friends of Israel said, by the way, I'd like to come in once a week. Well, okay. That, that was it's, not my fault. When I applied, a, it said remote. So it, I was like, hey, it's not that's a what fault. Good for you. I, I'm saying that in a. Well, I come once a week. Uh, um, on what day do you come? Tuesdays. I thought, you he, should was, be I thought a, he was going to say. When I want. No, you should be a field worker. You could be on the field all day long, you know? (laughs) So you come in once a week, and when you're home, what do you do? You put your feet up, you have a tea, and what are you working on? Anything. Anything that they want me to. That's right. They say, do this, and I do it. What's been the most fun for you? What have you laughed about? We're on humor. What have you laughed about? What have I laughed about? Isn't Karen, doesn't, doesn't Karen oh, put a smile on your yes, face? It's a lot of fun. I love, well, Steve and Karen, it's, they're super fun to work with. So, so much of a blessing to be a part of this. Um, I'd say, I mean, the main thing that I'm working on is a lot with Google. And Google could be funny. Google, it's terrifying, honestly. <laughs> it's terrifying how much they know about you. Um, and, and you're only learning more you. and more about how much exactly. they know about you. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Good. All right. That's kind of funny, huh? Yeah. We'll laugh at that. <laughs> Why not? Well, I, I do. I do just have to say to tie into the idea of them, uh, the the people knowing everything about us. I was at a, a convenience store, a Wawa here in the Philadelphia area, and this guy. It's early in the morning, and this guy walks up, and he he says, uh, "She goes, you using a credit card?" And he goes, "No." I don't want those people knowing where I am all the time. And so then he hands her a debit card. He goes, they won't find me with this. And I'm going, that lady, the lady looked at him like, whatever, buddy. Whatever you think. Lozenge. Let it be. All right, here we go. Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day. Our Yiddish word of the day, Chris, is we're doing humor. And what are we doing? Shtick. Oh, we got shtick. Oh, do we have shtick. Shtick all day long. Tell us what shtick means, Shtick Chris. is silliness. It's uh, comedic. It's comical. It's, uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, it's your shtick. It's, we were talking about Jerry Seinfeld. What was his shtick? Nothing. Yep. 
Bupkis. <laughs> and he's a multimillionaire. He made his money from Bupkis. That's Bupkis. I That's got nothing. Right. Well, no, that so shtick is, and you've got a shtick. Everybody's got, got a shtick. These guys have got a shtick. So, and maybe you, our listeners, have a shtick. Hey, why don't you text us at 424-444-1948 and let us know what your shtick is. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. I want to thank our guest today, Stephen Aiden. Thanks for being a part of the program. Oh, tons of fun. Uh, hey, listen, be sure to go to foiequip.org. Patriarchs and Presidents. There you can register for Patriarchs and Presidents. Uh, Paul Scharf's class on the history of supporting Israel from America. America's support for Israel. It's all free, everybody. You can go to foiequip.org. There you can register for it. Be sure to check out all of our Jewish humor links. We put a bunch up there so you can get a good laugh. The joke's on you. The joke's on you. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope you laughed as I did, and we'll see you next week.